Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Today, we're going to talk about the United States Census. You may wonder why we're going to do that. We did talk about it last April at the beginning of April with Charlotte Poy, a U.S. Census Specialist. And the reason we're talking about it now is that as of right now, the United States response rate for the 2020 census is about 63%. State of Hawaii is about 60%. But Hawaii County has a 45.7% response rate, the lowest in the state, and that may drastically affect the county's ability to get federal funding. And federal funding is really critical to our county because it helps support programs for seniors and keiki and all kinds of things that are actually really important to us. And even during this COVID-19 pandemic, it's because of what was reported in the census that determined how much money comes to Hawaii County. So we're going to re-listen to our broadcast with Charlotte Poy. And if you've already filled out your census and you're not going to listen, just note that next week and the following week, I'll be interviewing both of our mayor candidates, Ikaika Marzo next Sunday and Mitch Roth the following Sunday. Before we get to today's interview, I want to remind you Island Conversations is on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on Sunday mornings on KWXX and B97B93 and on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo the following Friday. And the good news is Island Conversations is available as a podcast wherever you get podcasts. Just look for Island Conversations. It's also available at kwxx.com and b97hawaii.com. Ms. Poi is one of seven partnership specialists in Hawaii with the U.S. Census Bureau and serves as team lead. She's also a small business owner and a community organizer. Her family is now in its seventh generation on Oahu on the Waianae Coast. Ms. Poi is very involved with a number of community organizations in Waianae and serves as the chair for the Waianae Neighborhood Board. Ms. Poi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Sherry. Before we started recording this, I kind of asked you, you know, what is it about the census that attracts you before we even get into talking about it? So tell us a little bit about that. Why is this a good thing, a cool thing? So it wasn't until I really started to work with the census that I, mean, I already knew it was coming, right? But until I started to work with the census and delve into how it really impacts my community specifically, I realized that it isn't only a 30,000-foot view of federal funding that comes to the state. It is about how all of that gets distributed out to the counties and then to our communities individually. And that really excites me because we always work on local issues. So I'm looking at resources coming in that way and our people being able to influence how that happens. What exactly is the U.S. Census? Give us a little history of it. The U.S. Census is a population and a household count. It's meant to give our decision makers and leaders an idea of where everyone is, right? Because it needs to be done once every 10 years, mandated by the Constitution. You know, Article 1, Section 2 says you must conduct this census every 10 years. So this has been going on since our country was founded. Yes. So the first census was actually conducted in 1790. 
right? And when I speak to our community, so they understand what it means when we talk about a population or headcount, it's about understanding where our people are so we can start to direct resources, both human, right? So we get representation in Congress. However many seats we have, according to our population, determines that. And then as well as distributions of federal funding down to the state level, over $675 billion. So talk a little bit more about that. How exactly are the results of the census used? Who gets the information? And then how does that translate into what you've just been talking about, which is actual funding that may come to our state and to our communities? Right. We opened up the online invitation to self-respond March 12th. People started receiving those invitations in the mail. We collect all of that and we do the best job we can to encourage and remind people to respond. Because at the end of the year, there's a report that has to go to the president. And it basically is statistical data that comes out from it that says you have this many people in this in these areas, right? And once that rolls out and he gets that or she gets that whoever is sitting in the president's seat at the time, right? It also goes to our state leaders, other decision makers, to determine how um, district lines will get drawn at the state level as well. So if we think about some of our communities that have had population boom since 2010, right? Now there's new schools that had to be built or come in, fire departments, new health centers. All of our responses help to inform the amounts of money that come down and resources for our communities in that way. So it sounds like having an inaccurate census can be extremely affecting to certainly any community and here on the big island, given, well, here in the whole state, really, but certainly in the rural islands like us, it's really important to be accurate. It is. It can be detrimental to how we're able to support growth in our communities. And I don't just mean like physical development. I also mean, you know, how we support our schools, early childhood education, even our Kupuna and senior programs. So the questions that are asked, there's purposes for them, right, to help us determine how funding comes down, how much comes down, and where it goes into our communities. According to how we say, we look. Now, so this is interesting because, you know, when we have representatives in Congress talk to us, they talk about their influence in getting funding for an island, an area, a community. How much influence do they have versus what the census is going to say in black and white? To be honest, I look at it that they could go hand in hand and complement, you know, the two efforts very well. One, the decennial census, right, the one that happens every 10 years, what that does is allows a set amount of federal billion, you know, dollars to come down right off the top, right, without having to fight for it through Congress and, and asking our congressional teams to, can you please help us find money for this? If we can get our basics, what we call the basics covered according to our population, everything else that we could ask our congressional team to do might be to help advance and just grow what we already have here. So just look at it as, okay, we take care of our basic living needs, but we want to thrive now. So there's other additional things that we could ask our congressional team to help us find resources for versus trying to catch up. Okay, now tell us about the whole process. You said everybody either has or will receive a letter. Tell us what exactly is in the letter. Tell us how we are supposed to respond or tell us what our options are for responding. Okay, so yes, everybody should have received the invitations to respond online, right? Some people will get an actual paper survey in there. Most will just get a letter. 
those who actually live in more rural areas, have PO boxes or rural route addresses, will actually get a physical paper copy. But you can either respond online, you can respond by telephone still, and if you have the paper copy right away, you can actually use that to respond to. The other thing is um, you'll get reminders, right? So throughout uh, March, you'll get the first reminder after the initial invitation. April, you'll get another one. The third reminder will also come with a paper survey if you didn't receive one initially. And then, in you know, if you still have not responded, you will have somebody come to your door. Okay. Wow. A lot of different options. Actually, in this time of uh, the concern over Mm COVID-19 coronavirus, it's actually really pretty nice that we have the option of responding online or by mail, which certainly I would recommend that people do. So we don't have to have folks come to the door. But on this island, there are areas where people, I think, don't have good access to Internet or they may not have computers. So what happens to those folks? So we do encourage it. And ironically, I had a meeting with um, County of Hawaii. We're talking about that, that there are some places that connectivity is either non-existent or very bad. So the encouragement for that is utilize the telephone call-in one or utilize your paper survey. So what questions specifically are being asked? You will go online, and if you are doing online, there is a household ID. You'll enter that in, and it'll open up nine questions. And the household ID is in my letter. Yes, it is. It'll be on the front under the barcode. And I showed you the envelope. I brought one in today as an example. It also asks for your name and your age. It asks if you own your home or if you rent your home. It asks your uh, Hispanic origin, and then also your ethnic or your race You know, I've read a lot about that or heard, well, actually heard stories on National Public Radio Mm -hmm. that the question on ethnicity is fairly detailed. They're asking, like, if I say I am Caucasian, it will ask me, well, where did your ancestors come from? And so what's the purpose of all that? It's sort of like that, right? There is a box you can check. If you find whatever race you identify with on there, you can check the box. So like for myself, Native Hawaiian, we're on there, I would check Native Hawaiian. But there's also write-in boxes. So if you wanted to more specifically identify, like your example with Caucasian, right? If there is a specific like Swedish or anything else that is like, I don't find it on here, you can write it in. And the census will take that. Okay. We have a lot of folks in the state, actually, there's a lot of folks in the country who are of mixed race. Yes. Many, many races. And frankly, a lot of people on this island have like, five or six in their background. Uh, yes. And she just raised her hand. That's her. So how, did, how is that dealt with? So the census will take whatever you mark down. The census, you know, just collects all of that data. And initially, because when it gets put out for your race, when, like I'll use Native Hawaiian as an example. There are specific programs that your determination of how you identify could support. Oh, well, see, that's good to know. And that's why I was going to ask you why the race or ethnicity is Mm -hmm. so important, but it really can be important for funding purposes. Yes. So like I use that example on the ground for us, especially here in Hawaii, because it very well known Native Hawaiian education monies, Native Hawaiian health monies, right? Not saying other ethnic groups don't have, but those are pretty prominent. The other thing, too, is just on a national level is it does also help to make sure that the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act as, as well are treated equally. So we know where our population is, too. 
Okay, so I sort of interrupted you. We were talking about what questions. The last one you said was race or ethnicity. Any other questions? It will also ask who else is in your house and how many of you there are, obviously. Um, I think I did also say if you rent or own. But if you have other people in your house, too, it will open up additional questions. And those will ask for, like, their name, their age, and their relations to you. The reason why I will ask both birth date and age is just to make sure they match. But also, it's good to know our age groups because we have certain programs in our communities. Well, and it's really interesting. And I know we have census workers here on the island all the time. And there's something, I think it's called the American Community Survey. But if yes. right now, if I go to look up, I can find out what the actual population of the Big Island is, even though we have not had a formal census for 10 years. And there's all kinds of information about the age groups of people living on the island and their ethnicity, which I know is helpful for just talking about some of the programs that we have. So, Charlotte, I'm going to fill out this form for myself and for my husband, and I recall in previous censuses, census I? I don't know what the proper word is. Census is fine. Charlotte, I'm going to be filling out the form for myself and my husband, and I recall in previous censuses you had to designate specific relationships of the person who's filling it out and all the folks in the household. How's that being handled this year? Um, they still do ask that, so whoever the primary that is responding, every other additional person, they'll say what is the relationship of that person to you. So whether it's your spouse of opposite sex or a spouse of the same sex or your child or an adopted child, you just continue to mark those and identify. Because if we think back, right, the relationship to some of these questions to the community resources that come down, there's a reason why some of those are asked for. Now, if somebody's son or daughter is at college or if they have a family member on vacation, are they still counted in our census form? College students, if they're boarding somewhere else, they're actually enumerated or counted in a different way. We, If they're in the dorms, okay, if they live in the dorms, we consider that group quarters. So administratively, they collect that data and it's submitted that way. If they live with you, like say they go to UH Hawaii, you know, University of Hawaii at Manoa, and they dorm there, or they live off campus there, they would either be counted where they're living the majority of the time that they sleep, or if they still live with you, you count them here. Now, one of the differences between dormitories or boarding students is, like, Kamehameha Schools has dormitories. So they're still minors, so parents would count them. They don't get counted with Kamehameha Schools. Parents would still count them under theirs. And the same with visitors, right? You're asking about visitors. If this is not their primary, right, living or their residence, and they live somewhere else, they would be counted there. Okay. What about people who are, you touched on this, homeless, people in prison, people, let's say, in hospitals or assisted living facilities? How are they all handled? Long-term care facilities right, or assisted facilities where they are residents there, as well as prisons, they are enumerated the same way like our college dormitories in a group quarter setting. And we would have a census worker that would work with that administration. Our homeless population, our houseless population is enumerated through this operation called service-based enumeration. And it is very similar to how they conduct the point-in-time count. We go out to where they're at and identify, and then we do the survey that way. A unique question now in the time of coronavirus, 
anybody could be on vacation during the time of the survey anyway. But let's say you were on vacation, you plan to be back, and you're not because you've been told to quarantine somewhere. You're quarantined on a ship or you're quarantined in an Air Force base in some place. What happens then? Because some of those people may not be back in time to meet the deadlines. What's going to happen then? I, you may not be able to answer this. If they have access to the internet, right, and they know they are residents here in Hawaii or another state, they can go online still yet and do their complete their questionnaire. All they would do is use a non-house, there's no ID. They don't have their household ID because they may not have the envelope with them, right? Especially if they're going to be back after July, the end of July. If they're coming back before then, they can still do it and complete it. And they would still be considered residents here because unless they're traveling and they're going to be living somewhere else for more than six months, right? They're still residents here. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Today we're rebroadcasting an interview that first aired in early April with Charlotte Poy, a census specialist, to help us understand why it's important for us to fill out the census forms. We are pretty low right now in the state. We're under 50%, and the census count is what determines how much funding we get from the federal government for health care, seniors, cakey, schools, all kinds of things. So it's really important. It's also what determined how much money we're getting in the county for COVID-19 pandemic relief for businesses and individuals. So if you haven't done that, please fill out your census. We'll hear more about how to do that. Next week, we begin the first of two interviews with our mayor candidates. Ikaika Marzo will be my guest next Sunday. Mitch Roth will be my guest the following Sunday, because we need to make sure we know about these candidates. The selection of mayor this time is absolutely crucial, because as you can just imagine, the mayor, as well as all of our officials, have a very big task ahead of them. Before we get back to our discussion about the census, let's hear from our generous sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local, so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. Here's a really key question. How is all that personal information safeguarded? Because people are very worried always about identity theft and such things. Right. So the Census Bureau has what we call Title 13. That by law says that the Census Bureau has to protect information that's given to us, right? So that's why we encourage interaction and we only use census staff to collect information from people because all of that personal, the identifiable information, or even a business, right? We have to make sure that it is not released or given out to anyone except in statistical form. So that means even to the president, all they get is a report on statistical aggregate data. Same with like department census does not release any of the identifying information to any other government agency. I know there's big concerns about that. Too. Well, there have been, you know, when at the time, particularly when the administration wanted to put in a citizenship question, that made right. some people very concerned. You know, we do have people living on our island who are not citizens of the United States, but they are permanent residents on our island. And from what you've said, it's very important that everybody be counted because those yes. people do get services here. They get medical care. They get all kinds of services. Yes. So is 
no information shared then with the immigration folks, with anybody else is what you're saying? No, with no one else. No other department gets any identifying information from us. It is a one-way street. That's what we call it. Information flows one way in its entirety and is released only in aggregate form. Okay. So talk about what happens if somebody does not respond and somebody has to come knocking at the door. First of all, do you have enough people to do that? We are still hiring right now because our goal has always been to hire people from our communities that live in the communities that have to be enumerated and want to serve their communities. And we are still, you know, consistently hiring people to do that. Because when people go to people's doors, we need a level and degree of confidence and trust in who's coming. And we want to make sure that people will answer the door. (laughs) If they don't, because they haven't responded, we will keep coming back. We are mandated by law to conduct this decennial census. So that means everything within our power we can do, we will do. Without being super pushy, but encouraging. And um, it's the conversations like this that we have that really highlight the benefits of why we do this is important for our community members to understand. And I think a lot of them are getting that too. Well, it's really important, and like you've already acknowledged, we do have people on the island where internet is not available, and they may have ignored this, but it's really obviously very important. What about people for whom English is not the primary language? How will you handle that? If they have someone in their homes that might be able to help, so we worked with our schools, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because a lot of our youth who might be living in homes that are bilingual, they are very comfortable and competent and understand English well. They're able to help their family members who are not. The other way is census has implemented for our 12 primary foreign languages that are supported by the census, each language has its own unique phone number that people can call in if they want to talk to people. If they're able to get online, the online form also has both video, a video tutorial, and the um, survey can be conducted in any of these 12 different languages, non-English languages. Impressive. You guys have really thought this out. We try to make it as accessible, as safe, and as easy for people to respond as possible. And sometimes that means upgrading technology. Sometimes that means the way we outreach and educate and how we build relationships. And that's really important. You know, we've had some major changes on our island since 2010. Specifically, part of the island was wiped out, the whole Puna district. And I know that counting the Puna district was a challenge in the 2010 census, from what I was told. It'll be very interesting to see what the island distribution is once this census is completed. Now, you do have census workers on the island all the time. Barbara Dalton, who formerly was the postmaster of the southernmost post office in the United States, is an example. What did those folks do during the non-tenure time? The Census Bureau conducts multiple surveys and a couple of other censuses. We have a couple that run every five years. And other surveys are like uh, what you mentioned, the American Community Survey, right? We have economic surveys that are put out, health surveys that are put out. And these are meant to continually help us identify where resources need to go in between those 10 years where the decennial census happens. Well, you know, Barbara told me one time, I was just amazed, you know, the unemployment numbers come out. And I never thought about where do they come from. And she said, that's partly where they come from. So I thought, oh, well, so we do count. Because, you know, you feel sometimes like way out here in Hawaii, certainly on the big island, like, eh, who cares? Who knows? But apparently the census does care and does know. 
Yes, and that's why we've done a lot of education, not just on the decennial census this year, although that is the focus and the highlight, but there are a lot of questions that came up that said, I just got something. Somebody just came to my door. I thought they weren't going to. So we did start to let people know about the different kinds of surveys that are coming and that consistently come. Because every time they answer and respond, it helps to inform better decision-making, right, for our communities. And that's one of the most powerful ways that we as citizens and residents, I shouldn't say citizens because even non, just residents and those of us who live here in Hawaii can influence the flow of resources, right, how decision-makers advocate for us and how we really influence and advocate for ourselves too. Well, I've really discovered the value of understanding all of this information when I look at how our hospitals are funded, how our community health centers are funded, it's actually really critical because they get the money based on what the census says our population is and what the income level. Oh, do you ask about income level on the form? No, it's actually on the American Community Surveys this time. Because that's a lot of how the funding gets here to those facilities and being a rural community it's really important that we keep up the flow of information. Charlotte, you've said that people can still apply to work for the Census Bureau, but I also want to have you talk about how we contact the census folks or how we how we learn more if we need to. So give us some information about all of that, please. Okay, right. So for both jobs and information, we have a really great website set up. It's 2020census.gov. 2020census.gov, okay. Yes. So if you just go to the general page, right, there's a whole lot of resources and information there. If you're looking for the job sections online, you enter the same URL, 2020census.gov, and then forward slash jobs. And we kind of talked a little bit about the connectivity issue in some of the areas, especially our rural areas where we really do need enumerators and people who work out there. They can call in at 1-855-JOB2020. So that would be 1-855-JOB2020 or 1-855-562-2020. Okay. So if I don't answer my census and somebody comes to my door, how do I know it's really a census person? Great question. And we've been talking about how do you identify a census worker? And we do this a lot because, um, as we know, sometimes it's not it's opportune time for people who are not as pono as we'd like them to be. And we were worried about our kupuna. Then we realized, no, we need to let everybody know. So the primary way is every census worker will have a badge. The badge will have the census seal, but it also should have their picture and an expiration date. The other way you will know it's a census worker is every device they have, whether it's a phone or a tablet, will also have the census 2020 seal on the back as well. The other thing, too, is like they will have a letter from the head of the Census Bureau, named Dr. Dillingham, that introduces the census and that the worker is here to enumerate that, and each of them should have that as well. But you, we also you mentioned do know, Dr. Dillingham? Yeah. He is our Census Bureau leader. For the whole country? Yes. Oh, okay. Dillingham. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does he have relations in Hawaii? I don't know, actually. <laughs> but he has been to Hawaii and supported our events out here and the outreach out here. Um, I was just curious. I mean, Dillingham. I know. Like, I really? Know. <laughs> <laughs> and a brief interruption. For those who may not be familiar with Walter Dillingham, he was sometimes called the Baron of Hawaii Industry, born in 1875. 
He was hugely influential in the way Honolulu looks now. His former home is now La Pietra School for Girls. Anyway, look him up on Wikipedia, Walter Dillingham. Let's get back to our conversation. If people ever feel unsafe or not, you know, ready tonight, you don't engage with them. You just tell them, I, you know, I, I want to make sure you're who you say you are. And we understand that as well. We've been trying to make sure that we let our workers know that too. Just be patient, right? And then there's also, um, you see, you can call the office, the Honolulu ACO office, but there's also an uh, 800 number. And in fact, I do see it right here on this material. It's 800-992-3530. So I just ask the person to wait at the door and then I call 800-992-3530 to make sure they're legit before I talk with them, if I have any doubts, but hopefully I won't. What else should we know, Charlotte, about this census? Overall, this census is, it's fast. It's easy, and it is so important to our communities. And that if you could just remember to, one, just do it right away. That's all we're asking is just do it right away. Look at the benefits for our keiki, you know, early childhood education, health, like we talked about, kupuna services. It does trickle down to our communities. Charlotte Poy, Partnership Specialist with the United States Census, thank you so much for being here. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you so much, Sherry. And a big thank you to you, our listeners. Don't forget, 2020census.gov. Next week, I'm talking with Ikaika Marzo, mayor candidate, and the following week, Mitch Roth, other mayor candidate. Please, if you have questions you think I should be asking these mayor candidates, please send an email to sherry at kwxx.com. That's S-H-E-R-R-Y at kwxx.com. And please note your calendar. I'll be moderating a candidate forum with Mitch Roth and Ikaika Kaika Marzo on Thursday, October 1st. We'll give you more details on where you may see and hear that forum as soon as the details are worked out. Until next time and another Island Conversations, please, let's live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.